Hello? That was a cool thing about the 80s, you know, like all those movies like were like that. Every one of my games, I try to do something brand new. Best time to get someone, man, when they're well fed and, and had a couple of wines. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Retro Project Podcast. My name is Steve and I am your host. Today's episode is the final part of our chat with the legendary Jerry Conway. If you haven't heard the first two parts, head over into iTunes, download those if you want, then come back and listen to part three. If you like what you hear there, do us a favour, leave us a review on iTunes, it really, really does help the show. Now, Jerry will be with us in just one moment. Until then, I'd just like to quickly know where you can find us. You can find us on the Twitter at Retro Project Pod. You can find us on Facebook at Retro Project Pod. And if you'd like to send us an email, we would love to hear from you. And you can send that to the Retro Project Pod at gmail.com. We are also part of the Fantastic Universes family. So you can head over to www.fantasticuniverses.com and you can find all of our episodes there plus a whole heap more. Also, if you'd like to know who the next guest is going to be, hang around at the end of this episode and I'll let you know. Or you can head over to Twitter and we announce it over there as well. Now that's enough for me. Please welcome Mr. Jerry Conway. I was born in 74. So Gwen was already dead before I was you right. know, reading comic books or, or even around, really. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, it's always been a part of the fabric of comic books. It's the, it's the death of Gwen Stacy. It's the classic storyline. It was a big decision. It was a, a major impact on Spider-Man's life. And obviously when you see some things like The Amazing Spider-Man 2, where it becomes the, the focal point of the story, it's something that still has an impact today. Yes. Now, yes. now the main thing which I which I have in my mind is this something that was pre-planned ahead of time and the the relationship with Gwen and Peter was built to the point where the death would become more significant or was it something that was just a, an organic thing that you reached a point and went, nah, I'm not cool on this character anymore." I, I you know, how did how did that actually what was the um the point behind it? As far as well, it was actually the result of a conversation that John Romita and I had. John, uh, as an old school uh, uh, storyteller, knew the value of raising the stakes for a character and f- how that would affect reader interest. Uh, he used uh, the example of Milt Kniff on Terry and the Pirates and uh, Steve Canyon because that was his reference point. He'd say that, you know, every once in a while, uh, Kniff would uh, uh, kill off a major character so that you knew that these characters were living a life-and-death storyline that uh, made their uh, uh, exploits uh, exciting and and, uh, potentially dangerous. So he felt that it had been a long time since the stakes had been uh, raised uh, in Spider-Man with the death of a, of a supporting character, a major supporting character. And he thought it was time to do that again. Uh, John's pick for that character uh, that he thought would be good to kill off was Aunt May. And I disagreed with him about that. I, I, this is 
around after I've been there, uh, been on the book for about a year. So I had, you know, passed through my apprenticeship and was considered, a, uh, I think I was considered by him as a co-equal uh, partner. And I said, you know, she's still useful to the character for stories. Uh, but I've always felt that, that and I, as I said to him, I've always felt that, that Mary Jane Watson was the character who was most interesting as a potential uh, love interest for Peter because uh, she had a certain amount of fire and uh, 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 jazziness, you know, as a person that would spark off Peter. Uh, Gwen was much too much of a wish fulfillment. Uh, she was like the perfect girl next door. You know, she, she had no flaws, uh, as far as anyone could tell. She wasn't particularly, uh, uh, you know, she was, she, there was nothing special about her other than the fact that she was yep. perfect. You know, she was a homecoming queen. And the idea that Peter Parker would end up with a homecoming queen just didn't strike me as particularly reasonable. I mean, that wasn't Peter Parker. Peter Parker was a guy who had a struggle for uh, everything in his life. Uh, and the I, and Gwen was just not a struggle, you know, as far as I could tell. Uh, Mary Jane would be a struggle because Mary Jane's uh, uh, super, apparent superficiality was something to be overcome, you know. Uh, and as a, a longtime reader of the book, I had fallen in love with Mary Jane at her first appearance. You know, when she, uh, when Peter opened the door and there was Mary Jane and she said, face it, tiger, you've hit the jackpot. Yeah, yeah. And I never understood why she wasn't his girlfriend, you know, or why she wasn't the, the one that he had pursued. Of course, later when I understood Stan's, uh, own, uh, you know, internal dynamic, what was, what was operating for him, it made perfect sense because Gwen was very much a representation of Joan Lee. Uh, so he was basically writing his wish fulfillment character. Uh, my wish fulfillment character was Mary Jane yeah. because Mary Jane was just, you know, she was a challenge and I love challenges in my women. You know, I don't, I, I, the, the idea of a, of an easy date just doesn't appeal to me, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, she definitely uh, is a spitfire. Yeah, you know, you know so I, I just felt like that was going to be more interesting for me as a writer. Uh, so I pitched that, and uh, we took it to Stan and Roy, uh, and both of them said, yeah, that sounds fine. Uh, by that point, uh, John was not penciling the book anymore, so I gave the outline to Gene Colin, uh, uh, to, uh, to Gil Kane, uh, and Gil drew the issue, uh, drew it in such a way that it looked like like uh, Gwen's neck had snapped when Peter caught her with the web webbing. So that's how I wrote it. And none of that was like considered to be super controversial. You know, we just sort of did it as uh, this follows that, that follows this. We're here. It is. We're doing a dramatic story. Uh, we know this is going to be a big deal, uh, but we didn't, really think we were doing anything that was outside the bounds, you know, of, of yeah. what had been done. Uh, yeah. so we were all kind of caught off guard by the rather vociferous reaction from the fans. Uh, it, it just, it never had occurred to me that people would be that invested 
in Gwen Stacy. And I, and I, to this day, don't believe it. <laughs> I, I don't believe, I don't believe that they were invested in Gwen Stacy as a character. I think that the reaction was the method of her death. The fact that Spider-Man failed to save her and may even have contributed to her death is what really upset them. I don't think it was the death of Gwen Stacy per se. Um, you know, um, she'd only been in the book for about five years and the book had been around for about 10, 12 years for by me, that point. As, like I said, there, it's, I was, um, I still remember when I found out that uh, Peter had a girlfriend before Mary Jane, because of course when I'm, when I'm reading it was mm-hmm. Mary Jane and then I found out she was dead, it's like, oh, you know, that's a shame. I wonder how that happens. Oh, she was killed by the Green Goblin. Now, when I finally pick up the issue, I still think one of the master strokes of that issue is the the, the webbing catch, like yeah. the web. Yeah. Um, you know, was there any um, there was there any con- like conversation between? Because you said that you passed it over and and Gil Kane drew it so it looked like that, and so then you you wrote it that way. Um, do you reckon it yeah. would have been quite the dramatic death that it was if you know because it's. I mean, it's got all the hallmarks of, of just greatness as far as this this thing goes. You know, they're on a they're on a bridge. They're fighting it out on a bridge, and the Green Goblin's on the Goblin Glider, and Spider Man. And you, your reaction is, well, everything's going to be fine. It's a comic book. Everything's going to be okay. Spider Man's going to save Gwen. We're going to go off next issue. Rhino will probably turn up, and and off we go. But then you've got right. those last few pages. You know, and it is heartbreaking. Yeah. Like it was so well written, so well drawn. If if it hadn't been written and drawn that way in the last few panels of, of Gwen's life when, when Peter tried to catch her, do you think it would have had the same impact if if it had just been Norman who just took her out? No, I don't think so, because you can you can go back and you can see there have been other there were other deaths, you know, in the in the book. Uh, I mean specifically Captain Stacy. And you know, most people don't even remember that Cas- Captain Stacy was killed unless you remind them that Captain Stacy was killed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, because really it was a cliche. You know, the way it was done was, was in the least tragic way it could possibly be done. An old man died saving a child. You know, a, a building fell on him. That's, you know, there's nothing there. I mean, it's it's not tragic in any sense of the word. It's it's just it's sad, but it's not tragic. Tragic tragedy is when a good man uh, fails, you know, or a good a good person, uh, uh, you know, is 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 struck down by fate. Uh, this was not a failure. He saved he saved a kid. Uh, you know, it's it's a heroic loss. Uh, there's no heroism in Gwen Stacy's death. It's just tragedy. It's pure tragedy. And, and that was not something that I think that anybody ever seen in comics up to that point. I mean, even uncle Ben's death, uh, has a point, you know, the point becomes that it teaches Peter this cruel lesson about responsibility and it makes him a better person. There is no upside for Peter, uh, in the death of Gwen Stacy. I mean, I believe that there is an actual upside, but it's a, it's a different kind of upside. It's a, it's a recognition of human limitations. Uh, it's a recognition that, that even a hero can fail. Uh, 
which I think is an important grown-up understanding that the superhero doesn't always uh, embrace or didn't embrace up until that point. Nowadays, we embrace it all the time. Uh, well, almost, almost to a fault now. If if this was to happen today, um, it would have no would, impact. Yeah, and we would also <laughs> we would probably know about it three months ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. Now I know it's old hat to say you know about Gwen Stacy and all that, but and everyone kind of like yeah, I know Gwen died, but if if people haven't read the particular issue, you you have to go back and read it because, like you said, it's from a different time. But reading this issue, you can see that there were things from this time that were better. There was nothing telegraphing that Gwen was going to die. There was there was no goodbye. There was no nope. long protracted death scene. There was no, um, you know, how you get this in comic books. Heroic moment, where, yeah. <laughs> yeah, where you get to say goodbye to the to the person. And it's, it's you know, she was just, she was there. Um, she was gone. Yep. And it's it's brilliant. Just doing it that way is just, it's like, a, it's just a punch in the gut to... Because to think in real life, for someone to go that way, just bang, snap. And it happens to people all the time. People that's, yeah, that's, that's how people actually do die. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, um, uh, that, yeah. And, but, but we see, I mean, we've seen Captain America die two or three times now. We've seen, um, you know, The Punisher, uh, one of your creations that we haven't even touched on. There's so much of your stuff that, that you know, we're never going to get through it in one episode. Um, he's died and come back as an angel. Um, and then yeah, there's all kinds of ways that you do this. Yeah, yeah, and then wasn't an angel, and and they basically summed it up in in one panel in the the Garth Ennis uh, thing where he just basically said, "Yeah, I was an angel. That didn't work out, and now he's back <laughs> to being the Punisher again." But Gwen just 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 left. She just went, and all of the things that were unsaid and the potential future and everything like that. I would love to be able to go back to those days, as far as writing goes, and get a surprise here or there. Well, I'll tell you, I'll share uh, a, a, something that was similar to that in terms of uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2. My daughter and I went to the premiere, and at the premiere, you had obviously all the people who had worked on the film, you know, who obviously knew what was coming. But you also had a lot of people there who didn't know, who were not comic book fans, who were maybe uh, friends or uh, uh, relatives or uh, publicity people, you know, people who are outside the, the know of what that story, how story was going to end. And the moment when Gwen fell and, you know, died, there was utter silence in the theater and audible gasps. People were gasping with like shock. You must have loved that. And well, I, I chill went up my spine, yeah, you know, yeah. on it. And I, I realized this is what the impact of this issue was when it came out in 1973. You know, this was, this was, uh, how it felt to be reading that book, uh, as there's an average reader picking it up and, you know, not knowing what was going to happen. So I can tell, you know, I mean, uh, there was some, there was some telegraphing, you know, I mean, obviously the, the, uh, cover, you know, tells you that something, something is going to happen. Um, but that sense of, of shock, uh, I don't think we have that very often in comics anymore. And we can't 
for, for as I say, again, because of the nature of what comics are now, uh, which is a very corporate driven, you know, writer's room driven, uh, marketing driven medium that doesn't allow for idiosyncratic stories to occur. Um, this story would have been, God, it would have been, uh, massaged to death by today's, uh, editorial oversight. Uh, it just never, it just, you'd never would have had the spontaneousness of that snap, for example. Uh, well, there'd, there'd, be a, there'd be a Twitter post where you'd have Aunt May, Mary Jane, and Gwen Stacy, and the Twitter post would be all over the place, it would be all over Facebook, it would be everywhere, and it would say, one of these will die. Well, I mean, to be fair, that would be the, that was what the cover said, too. But it, it, I'm, I'm talking about the creative aspect but of it. Would it would be yeah. everywhere, yeah. three months, yeah. three months ahead. Well, they would have had pre, they would have had all kinds of, you know, pre-order uh, uh, publicity, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, but but even t- even taking the marketing aspect of it out, I'm just talking about the creative aspect of it. This was the result of letting a team of of creatives pursue their own vision for what would work and allowing them to make choices in the moment that weren't second guessed to death. Uh, you know, as I say, the original story, the original outline didn't specify the, the way that the, Gwen died, uh, uh, specifically with the broken neck, you know, uh, that was something that was implied by the way Gil drew it. I don't know that Gill necessarily thought that that was what he was drawing. You know, he may have just been, you know, just that that was how he knew dynamics would work, you know, with, with the way the body would fall and so on. And I'm the one who added the sound effect. And people who followed after that in the editorial process sort of looked at it and said, okay. And it just went out. And that that creates a whole dynamic that how could you do that today? Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, I, 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 I can't tell you that, you know, when I've worked on scripts now, you know, they're, they're, they're analyzed within an inch of their lives. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's editorial, there, there's the, there, there's the, uh, a pitch session, you know, where I pitch the idea. There's the outline session where I, I, uh, type up a, a you know, a general outline of what I want to do in the issue there's the breakdown where I break down what I'm going to do page by page. Then there's the script where I write the script. Then there's the second draft of the script where the editor has made corrections, changes, suggestions, wants a rewrite of this scene, a rewrite of that scene. Then there's the art. The art artist does the art, and then the editor makes notes and changes on the art. Then we have the lettering pass where I make uh, the editor makes corrections on the lettering and I make corrections on the lettering. I mean, <laughs> that we didn't do that. <laughs> I, I tell Roy, you know, I pitched to Roy, we're going to kill Gwen Stacy off in this issue. The green goblin is going to throw off a, throw her off a, a bridge. Is that okay? Yeah, that sounds fine. I go off, I write an outline, you know, green goblin throws Gwen off the bridge. She dies. Uh, Peter, uh, you know, Spider-Man, catches her with his web but when he gets to the bottom she's dead oh my god you know it's terrible and then gill draws it i write it it gets lettered roy checks the spelling it goes out 
That's it. <laughs> I love how the I love how the most corporate thing in what you in what you brought up was eh, checks for spelling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, because we can't have a comic book go out with with bad spelling. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Apart from that, everything else is cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, he would. You know, you know to be fair, he would all he would also sometimes you know make an adjustment with some language to clarify something. Uh, but he wouldn't try to change. I mean, at at that point, there wouldn't be a change of the of the direction of the story. Uh, you know, in the second part, uh, because of the way that Gil paced out the, uh, the the story in the second part, the death of Green Goblin that currently in the in the printed version takes place over two pages was actually only on one page. Uh, because of the way Gill had, had paced it out, there was something like eight panels on the page. And uh, John Romita, when he was set to ink it, he said, you know, this this is such an important moment. We really, really need to sp- spread this out over a couple of pages. Can we get an extra page? And so we got an extra page for that, for that uh, uh, death. And he then, you know, expanded the scene to the, to the uh, iconic scene that we have, you know, where, uh, the the glider you know peter ducks under the glider and the glider uh kills uh, the green goblin which was how it was supposed to be but it just didn't have the same impact in gill's original pencils so that's an editorial change but it's but it was an editorial change made by the creators yeah you know so there yeah, you rather go than the, rather than the corporation behind yeah it. and i mean one one thing which I'll, I'll have to say to you before before we wrap this up is um uh, I thought one of the, the very brave choices with that as well was um, the Green Goblin never saw that as a victory, the death of Gwen. No. It's not like he was a maniacal and he and he flew off going, ah, you know, I've had my revenge, Spider-Man, uh, and all this kind of thing. There was there was impact not just for the hero, but for the villain yeah. as well. No, his his goal was to get rid of Spider-Man, not, not Gwen. You know, he, his, yeah. Gwen, Gwen was yeah. big. Uh, but it's, it was a tragedy all around. You know, for everybody involved. Yeah, and that was that was just a, a brilliant choice. I really did think that, rather than having laughing off, you know, with a trail of smoke coming out the, yeah. the Goblin Glider, the, there was a there was a sense of remorse yeah. in in the Goblin as well. So, but um, I'll um, I've I've had an absolute blast chatting with you today, and um, I haven't even touched on like I can't even say a third of the things that I had written down, which I wanted to, to go through with you. You're just, you're just prolific. Your name is all over the, the, the big two companies. Like I said, you've even, you've even managed to touch things outside like film, television. I haven't even gotten to talk to you about Perry Mason. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a lover. I love Perry Mason. I used to watch that as a kid after school every day. It was, uh, it was one of my, my staples, you know, the intercompany crossovers, the, even the things like the last days of animal man, your, your introduction of Jason Todd into the Batman universe. There is just so much stuff um, that you, I don't think anyone would ever be able to get all of your stories out of you. But I do thank you, honestly. Um, it's been a real pleasure uh, speaking to you thank today. Thank you. And, um, and I've, I've really enjoyed myself. And, uh, and uh, once again, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything that you want to you be able to plug or let people know about yourself or where they can find you or, or, uh, or anything? I'm going to be going to a bunch of conventions this year. So if uh, you, you just check my Twitter feed, uh, Jerry Conway at Twitter, uh, or at Jerry Conway on Twitter. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, my political beliefs won't drive you away. 
<laughs> I think it's becoming more, becoming more and more apparent. It'll probably draw people towards you as uh, as as we like weather this storm. So, but once again, Jerry, honestly, thank you so much for your time. Um, it really has been a blast. Thank you. I, I really, really do appreciate it. All right, you take care of yourself. And that is the end of our chat with Jerry Conway. Jerry was a fantastic guest, and I really do appreciate him taking the time to come and have a chat with me on the show. Now, our next guest is a legend in video gaming, one of the greatest programmers ever, and one of the co-founders of Activision. So on our next episode, we will be joined by the legendary David Crane. Now, where can you find us out on the intraweb? You can find us on Twitter at RetroProjectPod. You can find us on Facebook at RetroProjectPod. You can send us an email to theretroprojectpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us at www.fantasticuniverses.com. Until next time, thank you for listening. And this has been the Retro Project Podcast. <laughs>